0: My name is Deacon Bryan. Welcome to the Shepherd of the Hills Sermons Podcast. Every week we share our Sunday morning sermons with you to keep these important conversations going. We hope you not only enjoy hearing our words of God's love for you, but will also feel compelled to share these words with everyone who needs to hear this message. As always, we encourage you to keep the conversation going at home, at work, and everywhere you go. This Sunday was Mental Health Sunday at Shepherd, a time for us to pause as a community and focus on mental health issues facing many today. For this sermon, Pastor Scott held a conversation with the Director of Mental Health Connect, Vicki Elliott, on the topic of loneliness and suicide. So sit back, relax, and let us dive into this week's sermon. Our
1: lesson today comes from Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern me of my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hands upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence if I ascend to heaven? to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shoal, you are there. If, if I take the wings of the morning and settle in the, settle in the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say surely the darkness shall cover me and the land, and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day for darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame is not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance in your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of them had yet existed. How weighty of me are your thoughts, O God, vast, how vast is the sum of them. I try to count them, they are more than the sand. Come to the end, I am still with you. The word of our Lord.
2: Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, stir up your holy power this day and come. Send your spirit into our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our ears, that we might feel surrounded by your love and care, that we might hear a word for us today anew, and that we then might live out that which we believe. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, um, first of all, uh, I want you to join me in offering a little bit of uh, applause for Kay Walthy this morning, who I pressed into service to help as our liturgist. She did it reluctantly, so just give her a little <laughs> round of applause and thanks this morning. So, She does a good job. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, This morning, we're taking a little bit different approach to our sermon this morning. Uh, We're going to have a dialogue between uh, Vicki Elliott, who is my uh, dialogue partner this morning. Uh, I want to say thank you to her for being with us this morning. She comes uh, to us from Thrivent. She is uh, a personal finance manager, is that right? Financial advisor. Financial advisor. (laughs) Thank you. I'll get the right words eventually. And uh, she's recently taken over as the director of Mental Health Connect, Uh, something that I think many of you here are familiar with. We've had Mental Health Connect as a partner here in our congregation for a number of years now. Uh, And I do want to say another special thanks to Kay and our care team over the last few years. We have taken time out of our regular worship services to pause for a second and focus on mental health issues. Uh, Some statistics reveal these days that about half of the American population experiences some sort of mental health issue almost every year. Uh, So that's half of the population. That's one in every two people. That's The person sitting next to you, uh, it's the person walking next to you on the street, it's the people uh, that you work with. Uh, And as a family of faith, we've decided to engage with that, and especially through Mental Health Connect, to help raise our awareness and reduce the stigma of talking about mental illness here amongst our family. Uh, And I am convinced that just by doing it, especially in the midst of the sanctuary and in the midst of worship, uh, we have made a significant impact uh, in our community about talking about mental illness and about helping find people help. Um, so this morning, we are focused specifically on loneliness and suicide, and I thought I would just quote to you a couple st- some startling statistics that have recently come from a Cigna uh, behavioral health survey that came out uh, at the very end, I think, of 2018. Um, almost half of Americans sometimes or always report that their relationships are not meaningful, and that they are isolated from others. 43% of Americans report that. Uh, In 2018, at least self-reportedly, Gen Z, those students who are 18 to 22 years old, have recently self-reported a higher incident of loneliness than people who are isolated in nursing homes. They now have surpassed the people who are isolated and alone by living in nursing homes, self-reported. And I know that there are lots of you who immediately think this is all social media to blame, uh, although the statistics from Cigna uh, indicate that that's not true. Um, respondents who, def- who are defined as heavy users of social media have a loneliness score of 43.5 that is not markedly different from the score of those who never use social media at 41.7. So social media is not entirely to blame. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about loneliness and suicide, uh, and in the context of faith here in our sanctuary, uh, where one of the things that we hope, of course, is that whether you are experiencing mental illness or not, when you come to this place and find yourself in the midst of our family and friends here at Shepherd, you feel loved, you feel known, and you feel cared for, and you feel open enough to ask for help if you need it. So, that's a bit of a background. Vicki, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you ended up uh, helping out with Mental Health Connect and your journey that sort of led you to take over recently as the director.
3: Okay, thanks for having me today. I'm happy to be here. Um, actually, I'm honored to be here. Uh, I can touch a little bit, those statistics are really near and dear to my heart, and um, <clears throat> you'll understand why when I tell you my story. Six years ago, my oldest son was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And um, it wasn't a huge surprise to us. We had had um, some pretty major behavioral issues throughout his whole life. And so at the age of 19, when he was diagnosed with bipolar, um, I think for him, it was some, somewhat of a relief. He felt like he maybe could move forward with some solutions and maybe he could get some help. Um, unfortunately, um, during, those, during those six years, it almost seemed like from the time he was diagnosed, he really struggled with um, loneliness and depression. So when you mentioned Generation Z, uh, he fell right in there. Um, he, had, he didn't like to be alone, and so he would call us and say, I'm alone, I don't know what to do. Um, he also struggled with many nights of suicidal thoughts. So um, with bipolar, you have some very low lows, and then you have some very high highs. And um, it's really, really hard to regulate that. Um, But um, I'm going to talk a little bit about my story. Uh, A year and a half ago, my son, Cole, finally passed away. He was 24 years old, um, five years after his diagnosis. Um, He did not pass away from some suicide, although it could have been. Um, He actually had some complications with his mental health, and he had um, some issues with addiction as well. And um, when that happened, um, I felt very alone. So I'm going to talk a little bit about my story of loneliness at that point in time. Um, not because I was, wasn't surrounded by people. I was. I had people in my house. I had um, neighbors dropping off meals every night um, to help us out. I had um, two other children. I have another son and a daughter. And um, so I wasn't alone, but I still felt very lonely. And... Um, I know now, a year and a half later, the reason for that is when you go through something that's very traumatic or you go through an event that seems um, maybe like no one else would understand, um, it can feel very lonely to you. Um, So I had people around me. I had people calling, texting. Um, I wasn't answering the phone. I actually retreated to the safest place that I knew at that point, and that was my bedroom. And I stayed there for quite a while, and I did not come out. Um, I just didn't, I felt so many feelings. I, I, it just the full realm. I felt anger, I felt confused, um, I felt um, sad. I actually had physical pain as a result of that loss. Um, I didn't really know where to go, or I didn't know who to call. I thought, no one really knows what this feels like. Like, nobody could possibly understand this. My two children knew what it was like to lose a sibling but that wasn't, like, my pain that I had. I had lost a child. And um, his father had lost a son, but I still felt like that was different, because I was the mom. <laughs> um, so I, I, didn't, I didn't know what to do. Um, I knew that I had to get out of that situation, though. Um, and, and I had to do something. And uh, I did have a couple of people that were very, very... Um, Persistent with me, I suppose. So I had some friends that would continue to call me and text me and actually just show up on my door and knock Which was really irritating (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because I wanted to be alone, right? Um, But I knew that I was kind of getting worse and worse the longer I was alone and the longer I I kind of stayed with those those isolating feelings. I felt like I maybe could stay there forever and that kind of scared me a little bit like ooh I might be in this bedroom for the rest of my life. And I will tell you that that is not um, odd. There are people that actually do that. They go through a traumatic event in their lives, and it's very, very difficult to recover from that. It's very difficult, and it's hard to know where to reach out for help. So that's a little bit of background.
2: Yeah, Um, I'm wondering about that that sense of even wanting to isolate a little bit. Um, I wonder, is there something in there about sort of honoring the memory that feels (laughs) authentic to doing that? So you you don't wanna leave that pain because somehow if you were to leave that pain, you would somehow dishonor, do I I hear that sort of right? Absolutely,
3: yeah. And that thought crossed my mind. I think when you're going through grief, especially, you think, well, what if I forget? And I do remember saying that to someone. Like, I don't think I should move forward because what if I forget? And um, I I was fortunate enough to have, um, not not fortunate for them, but um, I have a pastor friend who they had actually lost their son just a few months before we lost Cole. And him and his wife had come to our house and just sat with us, didn't really say anything. But I remember saying, what if I forget? And people said, oh, you will never, ever, ever forget And that was reassuring. I mean, it seems kind of strange, but um, yes, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to forget.
2: I wanted to stay there. something about holding on to that emotion that sort of feels like you're also holding on to that person Mm -hmm. in some ways, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What what were some of the things that were, when you were in that moment, that were uh, helpful, even if you found them maybe annoying (laughs) in the moment? What were were some of those things?
3: Um, So moving on, yeah, I was... I think um, I, I knew that I needed to make a change. Um, I worked. I had two other children. I had a husband. I had lots of friends. And um, I think that feeling of that people needed me um, kind of changed my mind a little bit. Um, we need each other. And I, I know at the time when you're in that place and you're in loneliness and you're, you're feeling kind of in a dark hole, it's hard to think that people could need you, but they do. Um, so I did have a friend that would continue to come over and ask me to go for a walk. So one day I finally said, "Fine, I'll go for a walk." Um, we didn't go very far, but I think I talked her ear off. I think I don't, I don't even know what I said. Thinking back now, um, I think I just rambled and talked. And then um, my youngest son at the time was 12, and actually um, would come in my bedroom and say, "Oh, mom, are you gonna get up? Are you gonna?" And I thought. I gotta get up. I gotta. I gotta do something. And and he knew too. He said, "You're not gonna be that mom that just stays in her bedroom forever, are you?" And I thought, "Oh my gosh, he knows about that too. Like that's a real thing." Um, So those sorts of things—people wanting to talk to me, people wanting to see me, people, my children needing me—that really that was helpful. Mm. I will tell you too. I prayed like crazy. Like I prayed harder than I have ever prayed in my life. I didn't know where else to turn, I knew that, I, I didn't know, in my head I knew that no one else knew what this felt like, um, but I just prayed to God and said, all right God, fine, you put me here, you gave me this situation, what are you going to do? Take over, take over and you better just pave the path for me because I do not know what to do from here.
2: Mm. so we talked a little bit about this too right even a sense of blaming God like why did this happen why am I here why am I alone where are you Uh, why don't you show up and one one of the things that we talked a little bit about um, getting ready was we talked a little bit about Genesis and how there's this interesting uh, part where God says to Adam it's not good that this person should be alone Mm -hmm. Uh, which I think is really interesting in that sort of God recognizing that while God's presence that sense of love and belonging is super important there isn't any sort of infleshment of it, right? God can seem sort of distant um, and far away. Uh, and in that story, right, that's where Adam and Eve come together as sort of this pair, right? There's some infleshment that's needed uh, about that. And um, I find that interesting that somehow God recognizes that just it being an individual spirit isn't enough.
3: Yeah, and I think, again, going back to Genesis, I think that's why uh, God realizes that Adam is all alone and uh, maybe he's lonely and he gives him a partner, he creates Eve for him. Um, I can tell you through people, through other humans talking to me, I didn't realize it at the time, but um, they were sending me messages. Like, they probably, they don't know it either, but I think back and some really pivotal words that people spoke to me and said to me. People that were bold, people that were brave enough to come and talk to me, because I was probably pretty scary to come and talk to at that time. Um, we don't know, should we leave them alone? Uh, people didn't know, should I just let her be, give her time, does she need, I didn't. I needed somebody to come and pull me out of that hole. I needed somebody to walk alongside of me. I wasn't gonna get out of that by myself.
2: Could we circle back to, to sort of where we began? So now you've started, um Uh, working with Mental Health Connect and now you're um, their director. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some of the just real tangible things, one of the things we talked about, what are some of the tangible concrete things that can help or that we can do as individuals and what are some of the things that Mental Health Connect can do?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. I would say, I mean, I think in the beginning stages when you're in a really dark place, there's little tiny things you should do. Do one little thing Um, because sometimes the big things seem really too difficult and too far-reaching. Um, Maybe just, um, it's just getting up and taking a shower some days, right? Or brushing your teeth. Um, It could be just going for a walk around the block, just by yourself. Um, I felt just being around people, so maybe just people watching somewhere, sitting at the mall and just seeing other humans. Um, Maybe when you go get a cup of coffee, maybe you make a conversation with the the person at the checkout. Um, It's just those little things. All the way, um, and then from there, I kind of went to, I started meditating, which is something that I've tried in the past and I was horrible at, but I had a doctor who recommended a book for me that was very forgiving, and then I started meditating, praying, um, taking, exercising, and it doesn't have to be a big thing, but stretching and moving your body a little bit really helps. All the way to more advanced things, there's medication, there's counseling and therapy, there's support groups. There's, um, there's even like recreation groups, like getting into some group that where people have the same interests that you do and just talking with people and being around other humans is such a huge, a huge thing.
2: And things that Mental Health Connect offers for folks? Yes,
3: yeah, so Mental Health Connect, we have a phone number with a real live person that picks up the phone. She may have already been here at uh, Shepherd mm-hmm. of the Hills, yeah. right? Yeah, yep. so you may have already met Isha. Um, it's not a 1-800 number. I know my son used to say, I don't want to call that number. I don't even know where, they, where I'm calling to. I don't know who's going to pick up the phone. This is a person that is right here in the Twin Cities, and she does all the legwork for you. She will. You tell her what you're struggling with or what you might need, and she'll go ahead and take care of that for you and make the phone calls for you, and then she'll call you back and say, here's where they have a place, here's where they have an appointment, here's where you can get this. So she provides those resources for you.
2: Awesome, thank you. Um, I'm so appreciative of uh, what was such a difficult situation that now has become some way for you to then engage others and to help. Um, That's a difficult and impressive turn, so thank you so very much for doing that. Um, I wish we could keep talking, but we do have the rest of the service. Would you just join and give a round of applause and thanks to Vicki for being here with us this morning? And then I'm going to close with a prayer from uh, a book called The Life-Saving Church by a pastor named Rachel Keefe, who is actually a local uh, UCC pastor. Uh, Who experienced uh, some really traumatic things early on in her life and attempted suicide when she was about 13 or 14? Uh, And this is her prayer that she offers at the end of her book, and we'll close with this this morning. Let us pray. Holy God, I am not sure where you are or even if you are. I'm feeling lost, and the pain I feel sometimes seems overwhelming and never ending. I want to believe your promise of new life, I want to believe the good news Jesus preached. I want to be part of the fullness of your realm here on earth. But right now, it's too hard. You seem too far away. Jesus, you know what pain and suffering feel like. Be with me. Wrap me in your love. Better still, place someone in my path who will show me how much I am loved and valued. It's so hard to see that my life matters. I want to believe that you gave me this gift of life. I want to believe that this pain will end and healing will come. Show me the way of your love. Help me reach out and trust those around me so that they can hold hope for me for a while when I cannot hold any for myself. Let me believe them when they tell me they want me to live. Open my heart to the path for healing even as you ease this pain I carry. Give me a spirit of willingness and enough patience to pursue wholeness and not give up. Let me see my own worth and your great love for me. I don't want to feel so alone. Wrap me in your grace and get me through this painful darkness. Fill me with the power of your forgiveness and love so that I may walk in the light of your love. I pray in the name of Jesus, who came to seek and save the lost. Amen.
0: Thanks for stopping by and listening to the Shepherd of the Hills Sermons podcast. For more information about Shepherd of the Hills, please check out southchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Feel free to share this sermon and be sure to follow us on social media and wherever you find your podcast. Go in peace,
1: serve the Lord.